Excellency Tandile Baba Rasunduza was born in Soweto, Johannesburg, South Africa. She grew up as a political activist and served in different youth and student structures fighting for the liberation of South Africa under the banner of the African National Congress. In 2020, she was appointed by the President of the Republic of South Africa as a Consul General uh, of South Africa to the United States of America to head the mission in Los Angeles, responsible for 13 states in the West Coast. Today, on our Women in Diplomacy, we feature her and we shine our spotlight on her, South Africa's Consul General in Los Angeles. Good morning and welcome to Ubuntu Radio. Oh, good morning, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're sorry to bother you at this time of the night, but hey, uh, we have to say something to, <laughs> to our people out there. Your Excellency, I would like you to share a brief background of yourself, how you grew up. Talk to me about your upbringing, your family. How was it like growing up in Soweto, the m- a, a majestic Soweto, as it is known to be one of those influential townships in South Africa? Thank you, Velma. I was born uh, 45 years ago at Paraguana Hospital, uh, just a year after the 1976 rising. And I also grew up in the background of the kitchen where uh, my grandmother used to work. And uh, growing up in Soweto, for me, it was a volatile situation, especially 1985 and 1986, which was the year of the UK, we saw all the violence. Uh, against uh, our African people uh, by the times of President Peter Bota. And then I spent my years in the Eastern Cape as well and also in boarding school and studied in all colored schools. That's why I'm still speak French Africans. Um, and my daughter, I've got one daughter of mine. And uh, yes, I come from parents who are a teacher and a nurse, a profession that was in those days. Growing up in Soweto, I just remember playing, you know, the dead or all the indigenous games. This is what I always remember that was good about us and the unity of families. Um, I listened to everything, a lot of music from day to traditional, and what inspired me to change and change the country to a better world. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, I understand you You were an activist as youth, you were an activist as a student. Talk to me about those days. How did you get got, get involved in, in politics? I, I, was a born, I was born in a house of cadres and comrades, but also staying in, in other in South Africa during those times, you were participating and... Uh, in the 1980s, there was what was called the Massacre Group of the ANC, which was a brand new movement that's where we all started. Then to Coastal, the Coastal, each one, each one, and that's where I became the leader to further in tertiary. I was a member of South Coastal, the Structures, the South Student Congress, and uh, there were many other structures that I served in the youth council, the South African. I was an electrician, also teaching band of the SPF as well. And uh, further, I started working. I became a member of Nihau. I was a leader, a member of leading all structures, ANC to ANC, the women's league, and leading to national education levels. So it's been a history of all, all this work here. Academically, you pursued studies in sports administration and, and marketing. What inspired you to follow that line of study? 
very interesting when I grew up, I wanted to be a doctor. And then later I wanted to be a lawyer. When I came across this brochure, I went, remember talking with the YouTube about the guidance in class of the former Rao University, and I was like, sports, what is this? And then actually I was participating I was in sports in school, and then I started reading about it in truth marketing, human health movement. I said, okay, this is what I'm going to take because our people are not part of this. Oh, indeed, I, it was not easy to get in. I remember on Thursday, the lecture, who said to us, you are 50. By the time you reach the day, you will be 10 or 5. And it is true, many were eliminated. So uh, I believe it belongs to certain people, but uh, we made it through it all. And also, sports and education as a culture only state as an economist, not just participating. So I was inspired to change our people, you know, to be at high level of elite participation. We consider sports as a cultural diplomacy, as a, we, we, we speak that kind of a language. How did the transition come uh, from uh, being a sport person into diplomacy? How did you join uh, the diplomatic corps? Okay, well, I was working for the public service uh, by then when I got a call from the department at DPRD to train as a diplomat. And I think as much as I studied sport, international relations was always in my interest because I now have a member of parliament. I used to be a member of the portfolio committee on international relations. And the new structures, uh, even the youth league and South Korea, I used to be in the IR, which is international relations. I used to be in the committee. So I believe it was just a process by then. This is the route you are going to take because I've always had that interest in all those uh, international issues. But you don't take sport away from international relations because sport is also part of those where it's, it's a big issue. It's also the committee in the United Nations and other multilateral institutions. So it is an economy. It's seen as a powerful force. So you can even boycott and disinvest sports, you know, as it happened during apartheid. So it's not just a... People just think it's about playing ball. They don't think broader than that. Thank you. Very much true. Now you are uh, the Consul General uh, representing South Africa there in Los Angeles. Talk to me about a day in the life of a consul general. What does it entail? What is it that you do when you get up and get to the office on a daily basis? Okay, the life of a consul general is one of the most not easy. You wake up a day before you have prepared what you're going to do for the next day from scheduling new meetings. We are still a mother, so I have to prepare my daughter to go to school, drop her to school. And then different meetings take place, but remember the Consul General, the most important part of the work is trade relations, whereby we need all the income investments to South Africa. So sometimes we meet your small companies, your large multinationals, it depends on your schedule. You still have a bilateral talks where people think they only happen at a multi at, at, at ambassadorship level. And you still have your political meetings right now. I'm questioning daily about our stand from the Apple on, on Russia and Ukraine, which I follow what uh, our South African government is saying. Um, mostly part of our work, 30% to 40 is also consular work where we do all the visas, passports, 
And after COVID, obviously, there were a lot of effects, and uh, you still could call some parents, as you know, that part of continental work is dealing with uh, indigent groups. And those who have lost uh, their passports, those who are in conflict with law, so you do media interviews like I'm doing now. You do lectures. Last time I was doing a lecture on the reconciliation, and what I learned from them, and did not matter what they are saying, Americans. Uh, and most of the time, we visit those in distressing hospitals. Then we have to come back home and cook. If you have time, you go to the gym. And uh, there's no weekend rest. Your phone is always busy. On Sunday, the only time you get to go to church. Uh, thank you so much. Quite hectic indeed. So, since you, you moved that side, what has been the highlight of your career as a diplomat and why do you think that is a highlight? Okay, I think my, 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 the career of my work is that uh, I was appointed um, as a chairperson of the Los Angeles Area Trade of Commerce. Uh, I, out of all the diplomats who've been here for for years, I was chosen. I chaired the committee, started as deputy chairperson, and then started, and then became a chairperson. Further, the biggest highlight was to bring the chapter to Sean, who invested over three billion pounds in South Africa. And I remember when the call came in the Los Angeles, I said, "You know, you can't find things easy. Not easy. Meet certain people." I said, "I see, I know what I'm here to do." So, so one of the biggest issues that LA is one of the biggest investing nations in South Africa. So this all happened because of determination and faith as well. Mm, Thank you. Mm, I, I know you as someone who is very persuasive. I don't think anyone would say no to you. <laughs> I don't think anyone <laughs> would say no to you. <laughs> so what are some of uh, the significant projects that you are currently working on as you pursue your, your work as a consul general? Right now, unfortunately, I just came yesterday from Utah, and this is one of the powerful um States in the USA because uh, we are bringing investment in mining and filling and sister 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 agreement. And what we want is also honorary conference on South Africa, you know. And there's a big uh, investment uh, company called Venture Capitalist. It, it funds the Fortune 500 companies in the US. So we are want to bring it to South Africa so that we can all have all our own Silicon Valley. Not long ago, I was with the governor and mayor of Denver because our exports had declined by 8% uh, to South Africa. So we had to revise that uh, relationship, which becomes very important. Uh, soon, around September, we'll be sending a trade mission to South Africa for the aerospace and aeronautics. As we know, Daniel is suffering. So we are saying, come to South Africa and see what we have to offer you as Arizona. And uh, California is just signed a sister city, an, an agreement, sorry, with a Western Cape on, on agriculture. But... I met the mayor recently of, uh, I think, three weeks ago for, of California because we are going to sign a city agreement with the city of Etiquini, which was there, but it never took place. And the highlight of it all, Ms. Bobeni, I am meeting Disney soon because I want to bring Disney Africa to South Africa. China has got to be, uh, uh, Disney in Shanghai, so, it's, so there is nothing stopping us. So I've met the Department of Tourism. Uh, in South Africa to the Western Tourism uh, Council. So this is something that we need a big buy-in uh, from government as well. So these are the highlights of my projects right now in what I'm doing.
from focusing on. In your view, do you think uh, as a government of uh, South Africa or as a country, are we doing enough to empower women? Yes, it's a tricky one, but I think we have done enough as a government. Firstly, that our women over 50% in parliament and other structures and legislatures as well. But, and also remember our adverts, we always encourage women to apply, and including people who live with disabilities. And further, we, um, one of my experiences in the diplomatic world is that I, in some countries I never knew that women we also, I was saying uh, we have done enough in terms of policy, but um, uh, what the challenge is that the only challenge that we have is that women still have the pull down syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, the down syndrome, mm-hmm. which is something that we need to 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 to, to show. But I think some policies in government don't favor women, especially single women. I'll make an example with Berko. As a single woman, my child is discriminated; cannot come to see the father because uh, you cannot get a ticket from the department because the father's name is not in the birth certificate. I mean, it's our choice. What if the, the father was not there during birth and then comes later in life? So are you discriminating the child from that? Mm-hmm. So some of our policies can also be discriminating. It's something that we have to look at. Mm-hmm. But I think we've achieved a lot so far. If we have women in, 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 in high levels of representation as well. What kind of Thank a message you. would you like to, to pass to women who want to pursue a career in diplomacy? Uh, I, I would say to the women who want a career in diplomacy, firstly to say that is a very challenging position and a lot of women are still needed. Women um, uh, should study international relations or anything that is uh, linked to it, you know, any related course, whether it's economics, Whatever that they know that they specialize in, so that whoever they in these platforms, they stand for it. They must read about multilateral institutions, uh, their governments, the UN, Geneva Conventions, you know, and they must be open minded on global affairs. You know, it's not an easy place, you know, because you still face patriarchy even there and discrimination. Further, they must know that um, other women. Uh, come and in the same space, so we need to care and respect each other and protect each other as women. But they must also be mentally strong because it can be very stressful, especially if you don't have support, especially with housing and family and all those issues. And they must study themselves to show themselves approved, you know. Uh, must not be limited. Uh, they will learn to dress up also in high heels, you know, and things that they've never dressed up. And your image is important, your conduct, your, career, uh, your character as well. And you must always be vigilant, you know. That's all. That's a message that I can give to them. Mm, talking about dressing up, you know, I always get questioned, uh, why am I wearing high heels on a daily basis when I'm out there? They're like, no, it's a Friday. You should be in your techies. I'm like, hey, I'm a diplomat. <laughs> we don't do those things when we're mm-hmm. at work. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. No, no, we can't. Yeah. Mm. So when when mm. when you 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 leave the country, when you leave the U.S. at the end of your tenure, what do you think you are going to leave behind as a legacy and what would you be bringing home? I think for me, uh, as uh, my tenure, and firstly, it's just to say that um, you move from a woman uh, who fought against all, all odds in this space, uh, from uh, being a, 
uh, written about by the media to say that I want a house at Radio Drive portrayed as if I want to spend uh, public money to a man who herself has bought billions in the economy of the country, you know, so that also the, the movie industry has also benefited because we've got programs of Netflix that are still coming as I'm still meeting the industry. The woman who brought investment in, in health and tourism. Next week, I'm with, with Leonama Circle who's coming to cook for South Africa. So we promote our brands, our food, our cuisine. I'm a woman who's been promoting the Africa free trade in this continental uh, area. Our agrad agreement is very, very important. Mm. So when you push, you not only push for South Africa, but for Africa. So this is a very important agreement for Africa because as Africa moves, to one set of the economy and one set of trade. Mm. Uh, I am known for pushing that. Mm. You know, yeah, thank you so much for that question. On a lighter note, as we conclude our discussion, um, how was your experience when you first arrived in the in the U.S.? Please share with us some of the culture shocks you had. Uh, what kind of people did you encounter, and what stood out for you when you arrived there? Absolutely, for me, uh, the, the first thing that you look at the culture, how people are, uh, certainly Americans, uh, are very patriotic. They are flag. They mm. respect their flag. Even those who, who we believe are still oppressed, their patriotism is high. When they stand and sing their national anthem, it comes from their heart. Their flag is all over from the schools, in hospitals, in homes. You know, no matter how angry they are, they will never bend their flag. So it tells you how much they are passionate about their country as well. Mm. Um, what I like, they don't care. They wear what they want. You know, even people are my size here. Yeah, they wear anything that they want. Nobody is discriminating. Nobody is, is looking at the negativity of what is happening. Mm. But one thing that always makes me upset with them, they're very ignorant about Africa. Because they'll say to me, where are you from? South Africa? Do you know my friend in Nigeria? And I'd be like, please, <laughs> Africa is one country. <laughs> so I don't know your friend in South Africa. In, in, in Nigeria. Like asking, you know Nigeria, because Nigeria is about 10, 11 hours far from me. So you must start learning about Africa. Mm. And then they love their music. They love their arts. They go uh, even to a rap um a, a, a rap in a, whatever show is full. You could, they go to a poetry show is full. They go to the stadium is full. They work so hard because they have three jobs, uh, four jobs, and all those things. Mm. One thing that I also love about them is how uh, I know it may not be good in our country because of transparency. They are very secretive about their challenges. You know, we give that, we give that about this. There are things that you don't know about them within their purpose, you know, mm. but they don't do that. So they don't shame their country, mm. you mm. know. They, 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 they defend uh, their country, which is something that I always say, wow, it's something that we can learn as a country as well. Mm. Not to say that you hide away from, hide things away, but also to say you protect the country in their media. It makes them great where people feel like that's why they always say America the great. Mm. Even if something happens the media doesn't give a fear, you know. Mm. You, you say that something happened that we're under we're taking care of this. So these are some of the things that I've learned about them. And uh, I must say they also love Africa. I wish you can go to church. Church is the best place you can be in the US. <laughs> mm. So mm. those are some of the things that I've learned from them. Yes, and the child protection, they take care of the children. A child here is gold. So these are some of the things that I've, I've seen in their culture. They don't cook, though. They eat out. 
you know, a lot of times they eat prayers, they eat out, they eat anything, they're drinking coffee all the time. So it's different from us who cook daily. Yes. Interesting. So what do you miss about home? Our food. Oh, we've got the best cuisine in the world, I uh-huh. must say. You know, <laughs> each time you just miss our food, it's just we undermine ourselves with the country. Oh, our food, our holiday sports. Actually, the U.S. is one of the, our biggest um, market in terms of tourism because they say our food, our hospitality, our greeting, our cleanliness, they talk about those things. There are things I miss about home, but also missing some time to work uh, in in in. in doing voluntary work, which is something that I do a lot, especially in, in, in the field that I'm in. Mm. So those are some things that I always miss about home. But missing speaking our language and also missing to sing in our language. I think that's one thing, those are things that I miss sometimes about home. <laughs> you miss your Alleluia Hosanna. <laughs> hey, so I just tell them at the yeah, all those things. Hey, your time in the Street in Soweto, Soweto Towers. Oh. Ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs>